0: Today, on Bread for the Broken, with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. Bread for the broken.
1: You can look at that in two different ways. You can look at that in one way thinking like, man, God's got a lot of wrath reserved for this for humanity, right? And for this rebellious humanity. The other way you can think of it is like this, man, God sure has waited a long time he let those bowls fill up to where they're overflowing. That's the way I tend to look at it. I prefer to look at it that way because that's who God truly is. He's a God of
0: patience, he's a God of long suffering. Man, he's just a God of grace. A lot of people have trouble with the idea of the wrath of God. After all, shouldn't he just forgive people like he told us that we're supposed to? Well, today, Pastor James shows that God has been very, very, very patient with the world, more so than most of us would have been. Maybe sometimes you felt like you've let God down just one too many times. But if you've given your life to Jesus and accepted Him as Savior, then you can take heart. God's patience with you is endless, and He'll never give up on you. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Revelation chapter 16 for today's edition of Bread for the Broken.
1: Revelation 16, this is where it gets, well, I'm not even going to lie to you. Uh, It's crazy. It's been crazy. Um, It will get better, I can tell you that. Uh, Just not in this chapter. So, um, uh, you know, if you want to feel good about how it all ends, then just keep reading. Just keep reading. A few chapters and you're like, oh, this really gets really good, huh? Um, Chapter 16, it's a difficult one in the sense that... um, you got the seven bowl judgments that are getting poured out, so we're gonna walk through each one of those um, just so that we are aware of like the context because again, it revelation isn't really set up in like a chronological order, so to speak. I mean, you get. Seven seals, well, the seventh seal goes to seven trumpets and then the seven bowls. So technically, the seven bowls and seven trumpets are a part of the seventh seal, you know? So it can get really kind of convoluted within our heads if we're reading through this. And it's like, wait, didn't this already happen? Didn't we see the oceans already affected? And you did, but not like the seventh bowl kind of style. Um, So we'll go through this thing. But this is kind of like the final pouring out of the wrath of God onto, yes, the Earth, but it's not directed towards the Earth, Okay, Um, The Earth feels the effects of it, but the Earth feels the effects of God's wrath because of us, because of us, because in a garden a long time ago, uh, two people made a bad choice, And it was a choice. It was a decision. And that introduced sin into this world. It messed up things in the sense that now God's always had a plan, so I don't want you to think like God was kind of caught off guard, like, oh no, I didn't see it going this way. But there was a beautiful garden, and it was perfect, and it was everything it was meant to be. And sin is what has messed it up. So sin must be dealt with. Sinful humanity must be dealt with, rebellious. Sinful humanity must be dealt with because sin technically has been dealt with in the sense of Jesus on the cross and conquering sin and death through his resurrection. Um, but this is all getting laid out for us, so we 've been walking through revelation and we 've been on this journey through you know looking at the Word for the churches, and then the churches kind of seem to disappear, and then this wrath or judgment starting to get poured out on the earth and Chapter 16 is like the almost like the finale concerning the wrath being poured out. Now, you'll still have things being dealt with after this. So, chapter 17 with Babylon and the great harlot, uh, she'll get dealt with, and there's some other things um, this battle of Armageddon and all that stuff. But, chapter 16 is going to paint a really nice picture for us of what this is going to look like. So, Verse 1, let's just start reading. We're going to read through these things one by one, kind of a deal, all right? So John, New Living Translation is where I'm at. It says this, uh, then I heard a mighty voice shouting from the temple to the seven angels. We saw these seven angels back in chapter 15. uh, Actually, in 15 verse 5, that last part of 5 through 8, we saw these seven angels already, Okay, context-wise. But this loud shout comes from the temple to the seven angels. Now go your ways, and empty out the seven bowls of God's wrath on the earth." Now, when it speaks of the bowls, uh, it's speaking of these bowls are overflowing with the wrath. You can look at that in two different ways. You can look at that in one way thinking like, man, God's got a lot of wrath reserved for for humanity, right? And for this rebellious humanity. The other way you can think of it is like this. Man, God sure has waited a long time. He let those bowls fill up to where they're overflowing. That's the way I tend to look at it. I prefer to look at it that way because that's who God truly is. He's a God of patience. He's a God of long-suffering. Man, he's just a God of grace. And even with rebellious humanity that doesn't want anything to do with him, he's holding back judgment. He's giving opportunity upon opportunity upon opportunity. Even through chapter 16, you're going to see that there's still opportunity. But these angels are carrying around these bowls of wrath or bowls of judgment. They're meant to pour these things out onto the earth. So verse 2, it says, the first angel took, left the temple and poured out his bowl over the earth. And horrible uh, boils is kind of what this is talking about, these malignant sores, these incurable, uh, technically, it really is, uh, boils. You got to think back into the plagues of Egypt, OK? Um, Because you're going to see a lot of of similarities here. But these sores break out on everyone who had the mark of the beast and who worshiped his statue. So again, it's connecting the two. Mark of the beast equals worshiping him, Okay, They're like, go hand in hand, all right? So this judgment gets poured out onto all the earth. This is what's fascinating. We don't know what's poured out. What was in the bowl? We have no idea. Could it have been some sort of like chemical that reacts to whatever this mark of the beast was that is injected into these people somehow, whether the right hand or their forehead? Is it something that, you know, you get this, and really quickly they come up with this thing. You need to understand that. The technology is probably there now, but when we're talking about tribulation time, we're talking about seven years total. In the midst of a short window of seven years, actually less than seven years is what you're really dealing with because the mark of the beast kind of Comes onto the scene, uh, you know, probably at some point in time, like maybe the halfway point is what some people think. So the technology must be there, but then you gotta put this thing on people. Lots of people is what the idea is here. And is there any testing done on this? Well, probably not, because you probably don't have time to test these things. Stick it in their hands, stick it on their forehead, go, go, go. Maybe what gets poured out onto the earth is reactive to whatever that mark is. We don't know. There's all kinds of weird different thoughts that are on this thing. Um, It only affects those who have this mark of the beast. It only affects those. So for people who are on the Earth at this time who did not choose to get the mark of the beast, and they're on the run for their lives, or they're in hiding, or whatever, they are not affected by these boils at all. Uh, But those who have chosen the mark of the beast, Let's not forget about this. These individuals who have taken this mark, they understood that just like with uh, Nebuchadnezzar, when he builds this huge statue, this huge image of himself, uh, everybody has to bow down and worship this thing. The individuals there within those stories, um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they weren't the only ones. Who, you know, Everybody else could have stood if they wanted to. But they knew, like, well, if we stand, we go in the furnace. Um, these guys are willingly worshiping the image that was created for the uh, Antichrist there. They're willingly worshiping Satan. They are willingly have taken this mark. And because of that, now they get these sores that are going to cover their bodies for the rest of the time. OK? So however much time is left concerning the time frame we're dealing with here, we're definitely past the halfway point. That's for sure. So is this like one year left? Is this like two years left? Is this, you know, Half a year left, we don't really know. But we know this, those who have taken the mark, this first bowl that gets poured out causes them to get these blisters, these boils, all over their body. And they will seek medical treatment for these things, but they will not find any remedies. They are incurable. So the second angel poured out his bowl on the sea. Uh, this is the one I don't want to read. My favorite holiday is coming up Sunday. It's called Shark Week. Um, it is absolutely my favorite time of the year, uh, a whole week devoted to sharks. I love it. I've already been watching videos. Uh, last night, I drove in from Amarillo. My son, Shia, and I sat down on TV. Oh, we watched this show all about tiger sharks. We love it. I love it. Then when I read this stuff, I'm, even today, I'm like, oh, no, Lord, I reject this, Lord. I'm not listening. To, I, you know, I'm reading commentaries, and they're like, oh, yeah, I say adios. And I'm like, I don't believe it. Um, here's the bummer, man. This is the bummer. Like, it's one thing, you know, if wrath is poured out onto people, people are the problem. But our sins affect everybody. And not just everybody, but everything Our sins affect everything. And here you have the sea. Was this talking about the Mediterranean Sea or like all of the seas? I believe it's talking about all of the seas, the oceans here. Poured out his bowl on the sea, and it became like the blood of a corpse, the blood of a dead man. Not just like blood, but the blood of a dead man. And everything in the sea died. And that's the saddest verse in my opinion. It's just such a bummer. 71% of the earth is water. It's oceans. So, I mean, you can look at this, you, you can see like all of that blood, like blood. All the blue turns red. All the blue turns red. And everything in this thing that we don't even know what's in the ocean, like we know more about space than we know about our oceans. Like that's crazy. We know way more about outer space than we know about our own oceans. And everything, even the hidden things in those dark valleys, the deepest parts, dies. Well, how could God? No, how could man? Right? Flip the question. It's not God's fault. It's our fault. It's ours. But everything dies. Um, there's a, another image that, um, blood, it, it's an interesting thing, but you guys, you may know this, you may not know this, but, um, the blood in our body is actually super close to ocean water. This is from a intro to marine biology, okay? Uh, human blood, excluding the cells and the protein, has the same general composition as seawater. That's true. That's true. Now, so why isn't it red? Well, well, we have iron in our blood and we have, a our hemoglobins and all that good stuff, the red, and there's a few other things. But essentially, the composition of seawater and human blood are basically, they're about the same. Now, you can't use seawater for blood as a substitute, right? And you can't do that. So what's going to turn all of this seawater, ocean water, red like blood? I don't know, but maybe it's that few missing little compounds or composition things that uh, can turn the water into a blood-like substance. There you go. It's just fascinating when you look at that stuff. You're like, oh, yeah, OK. So logically, we can look at this stuff and say, yeah, I guess it's something we're introduced into the oceans. Now, it would have to be you know, poured into it. Who knows, it may take some time or whatever. But it could definitely become like blood. Here's the other thing we know, some real things that we experience on this island. Um, when plankton becomes so abundant, they can choke out the oxygen in the water. And it's called Red Tide. And fish will die. We have it happens, you know, on our side of the little island over here. Uh, When plankton becomes so abundant, they can suck out all the oxygen from the water and fish will just float up and they'll die. And it stinks. It stinks. The water can look red. So that could be part of what this is. Maybe what's in this bowl is just a ton of plankton. I don't know that for sure, but the angel pours out something into the oceans and it's just death. When you read Genesis chapter 1, and God created the waters, and he created the sea creatures within the waters, and they were teeming within the waters, it was meant for uh, food and substance and life. It's life. Blood is life. Blood is life. The blood of a corpse, though, is death. And death happens. This is going to affect the world tremendously. Because when you take out. The oceans and all the food that's there, and just the dead animals in and of themselves, is going to create all sorts of other problems. It's going to cause disease that's going to happen. Okay, it's going to affect humanity. You just took out a uh, community and tons of cities and you know, small countries and islands and all that stuff that live off of what comes out of the ocean. Now that food source is gone, it's gone. A tremendous effect, absolute tremendous effect. And, and let's not forget that as we've been walking through Revelation, you see that, I mean, food sources have already been hit, a third of this, a third of the trees, and all the grass has been burnt up, and it's, maybe it's grown back since then, but uh, food has been decimated, food supplies, and it's not abundant. It's not like what we have right now. You won't be able just to go to Kroger's and be like, okay, I can buy some food. It's going to be gone. It'll be gone. And those who have the ability to get food will be like the super wealthy. This will affect absolutely everybody. And you would think, boils breaking out all over our skin. You watch this, and you know, most of our large cities are coastal cities. They're going to see this firsthand. They're going to see death on their doorstep. It will absolutely affect everyone. You think these would be wake-up calls, but they're not. Verse uh, 4, the third bowl here. The third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and springs, and they became blood. It doesn't say they became like the blood of a dead man or blood of a corpse. It says they become blood. It's one thing for seawater. You can't drink seawater. I know they're trying to figure out some ways to you know, make that to where you can drink that. but. Nobody's going to want to touch that water um, with all these dead sea creatures in there. But our fresh water, well, this is going to get decimated because this angel pours out this bowl onto the rivers and the springs, and they become blood, just like the River Nile when Moses was there. It becomes blood. I think it's like 94 to 96% in Egypt uh, of their population lives along the Nile. So you can understand that. I mean, it's going to affect everybody. Now, does this mean fresh water will not be attainable at all? Not necessarily, but it will be hard to come by. Just because the ocean is like blood and full of dead animals doesn't mean it's going to stop raining, okay? Because evaporation will still be taking place. We still have that cycle that's going on there. Now, earth has already experienced a tremendous drought as well because when the two uh, prophets were on the scene, they kept it from raining for the whole time that they were there. So everything's been scorched, decimated, there was no rain, but there's a chance that some rain could come back. So maybe you got a rain catcher and you can catch some of that rain and you're drinking that water. And it says, I mean, here in the next verse, we'll see that people are still going to be drinking out of these springs, drinking blood. You think these would be wake-up calls, but they're not. They're not. They could be. Praise God we're reading this today. Praise God that the word is still available today. Praise God we're not here right now because this can be a wake-up call for some people because it will get really bad. It just will. Verse 5, it says, I heard an angel who had authority over all the water saying, You are just in sending this judgment, O Holy One, who is and who always was. For your holy people and your prophets have been killed, and their blood was poured out on the earth. So you have given their murderers blood to drink. Oh, you want blood? Here you go. Oh, you want blood? Oh, you're bloodthirsty? I'll give you all the blood you can drink. This is what you want? Have at it. It's the same thing with these judgments, you know? Jesus showed up, and he's like, look, I'll drink from the cup of wrath. We talked about this already. But there are people who are like, I don't want anything to do with Jesus. And so he's like, Okay, well, I've chosen to drink the cup of wrath for you. But if you want to drink it on your own, then go for it. It's your choice. And this, turning all the fresh water into blood, the angel, who knows more about God than we do, says, God, you are absolutely just in doing this. They killed your sons and daughters. They're bloodthirsty. So you gave them what they were wanting. You gave them what they asked for. You want blood? Here's blood in abundance. Drink to your fill. Drink to your fill. When you start to read Revelation, when you start to see Revelation like that, it's really hard to blame God for anything. When we really get the, good, the whole picture, we see the whole thing from start to finish, and it's like, man, yeah, this is what they want. This is what they wanted. God is only giving humanity what they asked for. He's only giving them what they wanted. And he's giving it to them in abundance. You want blood? Well, here you go. This goes on to say, I heard a voice from the altar saying, yes, Lord God Almighty, your punishments are true and just. Well, who's this voice? Some of your translations make it sound like it's actually the altar that's doing the talking. We believe that it's a voice that is coming from the altar We know from earlier on in Revelation, um, the martyrs are represented there. And so this very well could be the martyrs, those who have lost their lives, those who have had their blood spilled at the hands of all these people. They could be the ones shouting out this amen. Because basically, that's what it is. It's an amen. It's an amen from heaven. It's an amen from the throne room. It's saying, yes, God, yes. Your punishments are true and just. Or you could say it like this. You are absolutely right in doing this. God, this is fair. This is fair. The fourth angel pours out his bowl on the sun. Now it's the sun that gets affected, causing it to scorch everyone with its fire, with its heat. Tremendous heat wave. Everyone was burned by this blast of heat, and they cursed the name of God, who sent all these plagues. And what? And they did not repent or give him glory. Now, technically, um, I know the New Living Translation kind of words this a little bit differently, but this isn't the first time that this phrase is kind of even mentioned, even within this chapter. The idea here is after like each bowl is being poured out, it's like, well, you want to repent? You know, this is what's crazy. This is what's had my mind kind of all jumbled up as I've been studying through this, is like the ones who have this mark of the beast, because they're the ones getting affected by all this stuff, just even the notion or even that it's mentioned that they did not repent. And it doesn't necessarily mean that could they have repented? Is it too late for them and all this stuff? That's what I've been wrestling through this whole week. It's like, man, Lord. So you put that in there. Would they have had a chance to repent? Like, if they did repent and they have the mark of the beast, like, does that mean they can be saved or not? Or is this just signifying the fact that their hatred towards God is so extreme that even in the midst of all this craziness, this suffering, you're seeing angels. We don't know exactly how, but we saw this last week as we were looking through this. They're flying through the atmosphere, shouting out the gospel. They're proclaiming the gospel the whole time. And this stuff is being poured out that, man, people hate you so much that even in the midst of all this stuff, they just don't even want you at all. Would there have been an opportunity for them to repent? I don't know. You know, I don't know. Because I know there's like an unpardonable sin. But there's only one unpardonable sin. That is rejecting Jesus. That is rejecting Jesus all the way to your grave. But why can't that be forgiven? Because they don't want to be forgiven. Because they don't want the forgiveness. Is that what's going on here? Yeah. I mean, I think this is just indicating the fact of where their hearts are at. Had there been an opportunity for them to stop and say, like, look, Lord, I know I got this mark on me, but I don't want this mark on me. I want your mark on me and all that. Would God have saved them? I would like to think, yeah. But I don't think that's necessarily what this is talking about. I think this is just magnifying to us the fact that Even with all these things happening, their hearts are so hard that they're like cursing God. They're cursing Him. That's what they say. It says they're blaspheming God, speaking curses against God the whole time. They did not repent. They're not going to give Him glory. They're going to continue on. They're just going to continue on. Verse uh, 10, the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, okay? So, well, let me tell you about the sun thing real fast, just so it's kind of in our brains. Um, Is global warming a real thing? Yeah, it totally is. And it happens right here, Um, like in an instant, like, woo, the temperature gets raised. What does that mean? That means all those polar ice caps, gone, gone, they're melted.
0: you have just been listening to another edition of Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. Calvary Galveston is a church dedicated to speaking the name of Jesus into every life that tunes into this broadcast. The verse-by-verse teaching of Revelation comes to you from Pastor James Grizzle out of Galveston, Texas. If you're not in the area to spend time with us on Sunday mornings or on Thursday evenings, would you go to breadforthebroken.com to live stream our service? We promise that your faith will grow. While you're there, and if the Lord leads you to do so, there's a specific spot for donations of any size. We'd be grateful not only for this consideration, but also for your prayers. This is a powerful way to be connected with the ministry and to share Jesus with others. We want them to experience hope and new life in Jesus. You can get more information about that at breadforthebroken.com. We're so grateful that you took the time to be with us, and we trust that you'll come back again to hear more truth. In the meantime, though, would you email us with what's happening in your life, being sure to include any questions or comments about today's message? We seek to serve you better, and this helps us to do so. Just visit breadforthebroken.com. Once there, there's a contact tab at the top of the page that can get you started. We look forward to hearing more biblical teaching from Pastor James, and we hope that you're on the same page, so join us again. Well, we're out of time for today. And until next time, this has been Bread for the Broken.
2: Let me paint the picture of you,